I remember there was this point in time whereby my family was actually gathering, discussing as to who's going to take me after my grandmother has passed away. Everybody was saying, oh no, we, we can't take this girl. I mean, we were already crowded in our homes. What are we going to do with her? Hello and welcome to Fishy Business, a series dedicated to exploring the lesser known side of cybersecurity. I'm Alice. And I'm Brian and we're colleagues at Mimecast. Every episode will be joined by a special visitor, or in this case, visitors who are definitely not your average guests, to share tales of risk, reward, and sometimes ridiculousness. Brian, do you know that March 8th is International Women's Day? Yes, and I feel a little bit outnumbered on the podcast today. (laughs) Never fear. Today we're speaking to two very inspirational women, and they're both colleagues of ours too, which makes it extra exciting. Indeed, uh, we're speaking to Dimakatsu Makinta and Seven Zili Sibisi, who, as you'll discover, have both overcome huge challenges to get where they are today. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Brian and Alice, so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, for being with us today. So before we get stuck in, Dimakatsu, could you tell us what you do at Mimecast, for example, maybe explain a little bit more around um, how you would describe your role to somebody at a dinner party? I'm currently working for MIMCOST and I have been with the MIME family for about three years now in service delivery and messaging security team. I recently just joined the MSOC team as a threat response analyst responsible for examining and mitigating phishing attacks in real time. And I think if I was surrounded by non-technical friends, I'll use um, most common phishing attack stories like email account upgrade scam and a fake invoice um, scam to mention few. Wow, I think you sound quite intimidating at a dinner party. Um, <laughs> Seven Zile, what, uh, what do you tell people at dinner parties? So I have recently changed roles. I'm now a channel operations specialist. Before I was uh, with the global service decks of which I was dealing with the customers directly. But now what I can say is that I am a glass of champagne because I love champagne. So meaning that I am supporting internal staff. I am what they need. I support our camps. We do a whole lot of reporting and we do project management most of the time of which is what I love doing. And Semenzile, in our research, you mentioned that you basically grew up an orphan. Would you be able to tell us maybe a bit more of the circumstances around that and what happened during your early childhood? Growing up as an orphan is, is not nice. It is not nice in a sense that you always ask yourself as to why are certain things happening to you. And there will be times whereby family members are just gathering just to discuss what is going to happen for you or in the future who's gonna take you and who's not gonna take you so having to witness and see that it was quite traumatic but within that experience I realized that life is just life where am I heading with this is this um, am I gonna use the fact that I'm an orphan not to succeed or am I just gonna put that aside and just focus so it, it wasn't easy. And you know, as a girl child, you need your mother to be there when you grow up. There are certain things that you go through. There are certain things that you, you face as a girl that you need your mother to be there for you. But in my case, it was quite different. I had to rely to everybody who was genuine at that time 
So yeah, each and every year I had to see who's genuine towards me and lean on that person until to a certain point, or if they decide to be genuine throughout, then I'll just continue with that. So I couldn't be a teenager as I, how I wanted to be a teenager. I couldn't do most things that teenagers would do. I, I had to stay focused and, you know, live within discipline. Demokatsa, let's turn to you. How did you grow up? Uh, where are you from? And what were some of the challenges that, that you faced? Uh, I believe your mother was very young when, when she had you. I was born and grew up in a small village called Sanslut in Ramabusela in Limpopo. And our nearest town is named Mogopani. So at that time, my mother was still in the early entry level of high school. And my grandmother moved to Pretoria to work as a kitchen lady. So I was raised by both my late great grandparents until I was um, in grade six. Of course, there were challenges. I think my biggest one was having to move around schools, being under different childcare, and uh, also staying in different homes. And I think the most challenges that I face, and I believe I'm not alone in this, is lack of experience in lack of experience and knowledge in the villages in terms of education, I would rather say. So we were taught every subject in Venec. And I hardly knew what a computer looks like. <laughs> so I also had no idea that after I finished matric, there is a so-called university. I didn't know that. So most of the things I knew them after I moved in Johannesburg. And also it was still very difficult for me to engage with people at that time because of the language barrier. And obviously English was just out of the picture at that time. Let's maybe talk about some of the mechanisms that you guys use to, to cope. Um, let's uh, maybe start with you, Sipinzile. Uh, Being emotional intelligent at the age of seven, that was something that I had to practice because I realized that if I don't control my emotions or I don't become a naughty girl, I will last longer in this road or in this journey. But if I had decided to be a naughty child and be a naughty teenager, I think my family members would have chucked me out of the house. I would have been homeless. I would have been something way different from what I am right now. But then exercising um, emotional intelligence helped me to shape and balance my feelings throughout the process. I've, I remember there was this point in time whereby my family was actually gathering, discussing as to who's gonna take me after my grandmother has passed away. Everybody was saying, oh no, we, we can't take this girl. I mean, we already crowded in our homes. What are we gonna do with her? And how sure are you that this girl is gonna make it in school? So having to witness and hear that, it was breaking me, you know, it was breaking me so, so bad in a point whereby if I was someone else, I've probably reacted and, and, and showed them that, no, I, I'm still human. I need to be treated like human. But however, my, my emotional intelligence helped me to balance that. And also having to learn things all the time. I, I literally had to teach myself how to speak, how to behave, how to be a lady, 
I, I literally had to teach myself those things. I can't imagine at such a young age what that must have been like. And Dimakat, so what coping mechanisms um, did you find that you say stood you in good stead, helped you pro- to progress in life, helped you to overcome your ch- your um, challenges, for example? What helped keep you motivated? In 2014, I remember it was my brother's wedding. And one of my cousins who was studying electrical engineering at Central University of Technology was there. So we happened to have a catch up, a conversation about academics. And she started preaching about how smart I am. And I was quite surprised because it's not everyone who used to tell me that Dimagazo, you are smart, you are brilliant at that time. So I was, I was quite surprised for her to say that, that actually someone noticed something about me. So, I always knew that I was good in mathematics and physical science, but the way she stated it, it was more like, Dimagato, you can, do you know that you can go far with the results that you have? And I asked her how far and how. And that's when she started talking about Central University of Technology and that if I do well, I could qualify for a merit award. And I can use that merit award to pay my outstanding fees. And I think it's also really a matter of engaging with people and it's the only way for people to also say share related information with you and it's really up to you what you do with the information. And I think you both make really good points there around the importance of education, you know, helping you to progress in life. And Seven Sile, obviously you mentioned around being good at school at the age of seven, knowing that um, you know, proving yourself that you were going to to succeed in that area. Would you say there was a defining moment um, when that dawned on you that, okay, education could help me, say, come away from my current scenario? My whole life was just defining that education was going to take me out of my misery because I was always a top A student. I don't know how I was doing it. <laughs> it was it was difficult, but then it, it happened that I was just a, a top A student. So when I went to high school as well, I kept on excelling regardless of the noise that was around me, I kept on excelling. So those moments were just defining that, you know what, there's that light in education at the end of the tunnel. So I cannot lose hope. I cannot back up now. I just need to continue to push. So that's what I did. Everything, even when I went to varsity, I only saw that light that education is going to get me out of this because I only had two options. Well, in the townships, that's what they say. You only have two options. It's either you go to school or you choose to be in the streets. Education is quite a broad area. Were, were there any particular subjects that, that you, you know, excelled at and that you liked doing? Um, and, and did you have any idea of where they might take you? What did you want to be when you, you know, got older and, and grew up and those sorts of things? So initially, I wanted to master mathematics and physics, but I couldn't because my concentration span was constantly disrupted. So I had to choose like a different route of subjects of which I did history, geography, life orientation, and obviously our languages, but it, it was good there as well, because I knew that if I take this, um, this subject, I can either be a lawyer or anything else. But if I chose physics, I was going to be <laughs> a doctor. But however, with the subjects that I had and with the background that I have, 
I was able to get qualified in university and actually be at Minecast with the qualification that I have. And it's, it's working out perfectly because someone, someone will say, if you don't have an IT background, you don't qualify to be in an IT environment. Not knowing that there's just a gray line. You can learn to be technical while you are in that environment of which that is something that is happening to me at the moment. And Dimakatsu, with your line of work, and as you mentioned, you know, being highly educated, going off to university, um, I understand from uh, some of the research that we've done that you face a long walk to school every day and, you know, making sure that you could gain access to that education, I think, which a lot of, for example, children in the UK probably completely take for granted that their parents maybe drop them off or they have a, a short walk around the corner. How did you manage that in terms of having those challenges and overcoming them to be able to get that access to education? That's a pretty good question. And remember with um, a long walk to, to school, it wasn't a long walk to the campus. At that time, it was a long walk to a high school. So it was about a 30 to 40 minutes walk to high school. Wow. And or 50 minutes and that's only to go to school and to come back so at that time i remember the taxi fare to go to school was five rand and five rand is not what we had at that moment i just you know there was a time when i could be given that five rand to go to school but with me in mind i'm like i can take this five rand and save it for someone so something else in future bread tea or coffee and just continue with my walks. And with my mother, my mother only believed that DK, Dimagato, you can only end up in college. We cannot afford university at all. And that's what she used to tell me. Up to a point whereby I had to swallow my pride and actually go to the cheapest school that my mother could afford and start with my IT studies. But although I wasn't happy because I could see my results that this is not where I belong. And I, th I think the time at college has, has, has actually given me the, the opportunity to, to plan what is it that I want and how do I actually get there. And at some point I had decided after completing at college that, you know what, I'm not going to tell my mom anything. I am going to take this qualification that I've just ob obtained at college and go straight to university further away from everyone without telling anyone anything just until I hear or get an acceptance letter from the university then that's when I was relieved to even talk to somebody and even at that time I was not really happy to talk to anyone including my family because I I, I, I had to pay a registration although I was accepted I had to pay a certain amount for registration fee and I did not have, so I still have to go and hustle for that money so that I can get into the university. Maybe let's fast forward a few years in your story to what you both ended up studying. I mean, Demokatsa, let's start with you. Um, you are a graduate of uh, Central University of Technology. Can you tell us a bit about that experience and, and what it was that you actually chose to study and, and maybe why and how that was? Before I actually started with university, I went to college. And after I passed college, 
when I got to university, they also still told me that I cannot qualify even if I do have a qualification from college. So I was missing with one point. I had to go to another college for about a year and they wanted about 18,000 rand for that certification. I did not have 18,000 rand. And that was the only certification that could get me into university. I, I just went and looked for my father. And I don't know where my father stays. I went to Pretoria, looked for him the entire day until night, office to office. And then when I went to Google, I did find some information. And eventually late at around 8 p.m., that's when I managed to, to find him. And I communicated with him about what I need and he couldn't help also. Up to a time when I had to actually go and register and the registration were about to close and my father reached out and he said, okay, it's fine. I will pay at college. I will pay that 18,000 for a year. And after that, I had to move to university after passing that certification and still at the university, I was struggling with the registration money. Then he disappeared on me again until I had to go again and chase after him. And then end of the year, I passed with 100% distinctions. And that's when I got the merit award for 53,000. And I was able to pay my first fees. And so continuously, the second year, I got the merit award again as a top student. Until even today, I'm still using that merit award to study further. Wow, that's phenomenal. And Zila, did you have a similar experience? Did you also um, look to, say, earn income while studying as well? Yes, I had to. So since I'm gifted, I started using my hands to do people's hair to make extra cash on the side. So that's, I started saving that money, but it didn't take me far, but I, I tried. I was saving that money all the time. I never had to ask my granddad to buy me school pants or a new school bag, or I need to probably do my hair. I need to be ready for school. Those are the things that I started doing by myself when I was still in grade 12. So I remember there was a point in time I came back from school. I was literally so tired, so tired to a point that I could just collapse anytime. When I got home, my granddad was like, so the house is dirty. I'm hungry. Your grandmother is not here. What do we do? You need to do something. You are now the woman of the house. I'm like, how so? I'm so young. How do I do all these things and take care of an old man? <laughs> while I still have school. So the way I was so tired and so exhausted, I went to sit outside by the sun on top of a suitcase. And then he came out, he said to me, how are you gonna go to school if you are sitting on top of that suitcase? You are busy breaking it. What are you gonna use? I'm like, school, what are you talking about? It's like, are you not going to university? I'm like, but I didn't know. So that dawned into me that, oh, wow, this person wishes me to go further with life. Because at the back of my head, I'm like, ah, oh, well, since my grandmother has passed on and he's getting old, I think I should be um, a prison warder. A prison warder requires a grade 12, like your matric certificate. And that's it. You're going to get trained there and you're just going to start working. So my focus was just there. I said to him, no, we don't have money for all of this. Let me just be a prison warder. He was like, no, my child is not going to be a prison warder. 
So from then I knew that I was going to university. So I made sure that when I passed my grade 12, I passed it very well to a point that I get accepted to university. So yes, I studied and I had a degree in industrial sociology and I majored in human resource and labor relations because that's what I had in my heart during that time, not knowing that things will change. So on my final year, I decided to apply for a bursary and then I got it. I came back home with my degree and I started job hunting. And uh, Dimakatsa, where did you get your start in the working world? My final year, I did get um, a bursary. I actually got two bursaries and one of the bursaries came with uh, a permanent offer for the job in Cape Town. And that's where I'm going to start my life. I went home, uh, did several interviews with them, even up to a point whereby they actually booked the flights for me and booked uh, accommodation for me and flew me to Cape Town so that they can actually see me in person because we normally spoke over the phone. And when I got there, it was, it was quite great. And the experience at, at that company was great for that day. Until weeks and weeks, um, I waited for them to give me a response, not a response saying that we've taken you in, a response of the contract, because they literally said, we're going to send you the contract, we're waiting for the directors on leave, and this is a very reputable company. And I waited weeks and weeks, and now it's hitting June, middle June, middle uh, the middle of the year, I don't get any response from them until they told me that, you know what, Unfortunately, we cannot take you in, even though I signed a contract for the bursary and the employment offer. And I kept on applying. I kept the faith. I kept believing in myself that, you know what, I'm going to come out of this situation no matter what. Until I got, uh, I got a job in Johannesburg, mid-rent. I started as an um, IT service desk analyst, and it was quite great. I think it gave me an ex exposure to the service delivery world, which is service delivery that we're doing here in Mamcast. But it, it was um, a contract. It was a contract job, so they had to renew it every other three months. And that was when I decided I want something more permanent, and that's when I decided to join Mamcast. What advice would you give to other women in tech? You must never underestimate the power of starting small because I remember there was a point when I was still at college, I actually had to start working at a, a saloon where I, I earned 100 rand per week. And I was able to use that money to transport myself to the college. So we have most women these days, people have pride and people are afraid or have a fear they, they, they have this certain fear of starting on their own. You can start small and still remain humble. I believe that good things will come unto you. And Sebenzile, we'd love to hear from you. What would your advice be to other women in tech? I remember when I finished my intern in the public sector, I stayed for like a good two years without a job, without being hired. I'd apply each and every department and they would never call me back. Meantime, my friends are being accepted. They're getting jobs. They're buying cars. But I said to myself, why? Why does this have to happen to me? Not realizing that it's part of my journey. So during that process of being unemployed, I had to do laundry for people to make money. So when I got 
my other job here in Johannesburg, it was in 2019, January, it was a call center, a call center that was paying me 4,000 rands. I don't know how much is it in dollars, but it was just 4,000. It was just a small amount of money. And to think that I was working from 7 a.m. up to 7 p.m., having to call, take calls every minute. My lunch was only 30 minutes. My tea break was only 10 minutes. So I can really attest to saying that you really start somewhere as a person. So before I joined Mimecast, life was, was a roller coaster, I won't lie. It was really a roller coaster. Having to be able to buy yourself toiletries, buy yourself a bit of clothes to nothing, which means you're going back now. So for, for me, what I can say to women in general and women in tech is that be willing to learn. Be open for opportunities. Be open to assist. Even if you see that people are not asking you for assistance, but they do need assistance, just volunteer to say, can I assist with this? Can I, can I, can I do this? How about we solve this problem in this particular way? Um, Alice, I, I saw you handling this account. Can you teach me this? How do I get to that point? So being able to, to, to be teachable and be able to, to learn, you can go far in life, especially in, in tech. Timo Katso and Seben Ziele, thank you both so much for taking the time to, to speak with us today. I think you both make amazing role models as, as women in tech. I think if you look at how far you've come and how far you still have to go, I think you're an inspiration and will be, a, you know, continue to be an inspiration to, to a number of, uh, of people. And, and hopefully you'll continue to do this kind of thing and this, this really good work. We always like to end our episodes by asking our guests three simple questions. So Dimakatsu, if we start off with you, looking back over your life, what do you think would be one insight you'd wish you'd learned sooner or maybe that you could go back and tell your younger self? I think that everything and anything that has happened in my life, it, ha it, it has happened because there was a certain purpose and that purpose was not meant to harm me. So I'm afraid if I had to go back and shift anything, things wouldn't have turned out the way they did now. So we do have kids who happen to know everything that we did not know, yet you still find them taking drugs. It, it really doesn't matter whether you know something earlier or you know it later. What matters is what you do with the information or the knowledge that you have gained. I love that. I've got uh, three younger nieces, so I definitely make sure that they'll be uh, <laughs> listening to this podcast to inspire them as well and take on some of your great insights. And Sevenzile, what about you? Know who you are, because if you don't know who you are, you, you will float. You will float with every wind, with every water that is passing by. So with me, it was like that. Hence, I used to be depressed. I used to face anxiety and the highest level that I couldn't even control myself because I never understood how I was feeling during that time. So knowing yourself will make you know what you're going through and how you need to face those situations and understanding that your journey has different seasons. Nothing is gonna be just so smooth. We are not the same. For some people, things are smooth, but for certain people, you just need to go through a roller coaster, understand the seasons.
and know how to deal with them. And then I think both Alice and I have uh, expanded our reading lists and things that we listen to, podcasts and those sorts of things, quite extensively talking to guests <laughs> on this podcast. So we love asking this question. I'll start with you, Sebenzila. What are you reading or listening to at the moment? Is, it, is there anything that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? So currently I am reading um, a book called Reader's Biggest. So it is to speak better and read better. So I decided to choose that book because I believe that I'm in a point whereby in my life, I, I really need, need to nature that I'm a people's person. So I was like, what's my experience? I think I can stand in a podium and speak sense to people. So I need my English to be proper. I, I need to articulate proper words. <laughs> Hence, I chose that book. Thank you. And Dimakatsa, what are you reading or listening to at the moment? So at the moment, I'm very much addicted to video feeds from Instagram by Oprah Winfrey. So the recent video that I actually listened to, it, it's quite short videos, but you do get the message and it hits hard. So she said that um, if you expect people to do what you would do in a situation, it only leads to your own disappointment, not theirs, because they're actually going on with their life. So what I'm saying is that I've shared my story in different platforms, in social medias, at home, at work, in a club, and it's really up to the listeners um, to decide how to use the story to change their lives. That's fantastic. Thank you so much to you both for joining us today on this week's Fishy Business. I wish we had longer um, because it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you both and what inspirational stories of how, you know, you've learned to overcome challenges, hurdles, also from such a young and early age as well. And that early childhood um, years is, is just phenomenal and absolutely in awe of what you have both achieved. And thank you so much to you both for joining us on this week's Fishy Business. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for joining us on this week's Fishy Business. It's really been a pleasure having you with us. If you have enjoyed our podcast today, please do leave us a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're hearing this. And feel free to follow us on Twitter at Mimecast if you'd like to learn more about what we discussed. Until next time, 